What's up, everybody? This is the Greatest Show on Dirt Podcast, Tuesday, April 3rd. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about Adam Eaton and him being an old man. We're going to talk about Joey Gallo in the four-man outfield, Brian Dozier, Gabe Kapler, Alex Rodriguez, and Drinking Ham's Beer. Um, I am rolling solo on this week's episode. Courtney called in sick again. She says she's sick. I don't believe her. She's probably going to get written up. And also, this week's episode is brought to you by Seat Giant. Go to SeatGiant.com or SeatGiant.ca, promo code DIRT, and buy your tickets. So if you're a Blue Jays fan, you can buy your tickets. And if you're a fan of any other team, you can buy your tickets. SeatGiant.com, promo code DIRT. Thank you for listening. All right, Brody, I think we're on. What's up, everybody? Greatest show on dirt. Today is Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, no. Today's only Monday. You got to be kidding me. No, it is Tuesday. Tuesday, April 3rd, 2018. Holy crap. I about had a heart attack. This is Quentin coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios, temporary Sweet Bee Studios. We'll be in the new spot in, well, April 27th. So just um, under under a month now. My buddy Fernie, big uh, Red Sox fan, He um, he's building a huge seven-foot desk. The whole room's going to be decked out, so we'll be recording a lot more often. Um, right now, we're getting about one recording a week, I think, and putting up about one to two written pieces a week. Um, so if you want to check some of that stuff out, go to greatestondirt.com. And you can also find us on Twitter at greatestondirt, I think. Brody, you got any idea what our Twitter is, pal? Greatestondirt is what we are on Twitter as well. Um, all right, we're going to talk about a little bit of baseball. We just finished up the... First weekend of the 2018 season. I've got to tell you, it was a blast. It was fun. Uh, me and Kyle from over at Cubs Live recorded post-game Cubs talk. Because um, I am naturally a Cubs fan. But I also, you know, we talk about every team on the Greatest Show on Dirt podcast. But Kyle over at Cubs Live, you can find him at Twitter. Um, at Cubs underscore live. Huge Cubs fan. So we talked a lot about that. But we didn't talk about anything else, really. Um, so there have been uh, there's a lot, I feel like, that's happened in what, five days coming up to this thing? Uh, a lot of big moments. I, I mean, whoa, like, I don't really know what to talk about. On the first day of this whole shindig, Giancarlo Stanton hits two home runs in his first game ever as a New York Yankee. Matt Davidson hits three home runs for the Chicago White Sox, and the White Sox beat whoever they played 14-7. to I think it was the Kansas City Royals. And then um, Tim Anderson, Timmy, he, uh, Timmy two shot hit two home runs as well. And I'll tell you what, Chicago White Sox fans, you've got a uh, Tim Anderson at short and Yoan Moncada at second, and that is very much the South Side version. I feel like of Addison Russell and Javi Baez, really good pair, might turn out to be two really good bats. Timmy is a great, great athlete. I know Yoan Moncada takes a lot of the attention up over there because he's number one prospect in all of baseball until he got called up. You know, he's a permanent fixture now on the White Sox team. We saw him play a few times, we being me and Courtney, which she's not here right now. She's kind of under the weather. We thought we were going to have a Michael Jordan flu game on our hands, but uh, it's not going to happen tonight. But you, you almost caught it. Yeah, he's uh, he's the number one guy for sure. But it's fun to see those guys hit. Um, it, what's pretty exciting about the 2018 season is, you know, I, th- I think we're going to see some young teams play some ball, you know, do a lot better. Uh, Phillies, you know, Phillies are off to a little bit of a shaky start, which, well, we might as kind of well, go ahead and talk about right now. It was um, the home opener, Aaron Nola, Phillies ace. Holy crap. I'm watching the uh, Nationals game right now, and I'm wanting to say their pitcher, A.J. Cole, the Nationals pitcher, just hit a home run. This is Tuesday night. I'm listening to this, so I've got the Nats 
uh, Braves game in the background. Nats are up now. Well, it's tied four to four. Nationals got three in the first. Braves got four in the second. It's neither here nor there. But so Aaron Nola got pulled after 65 pitches. Gabe Kapler went ahead and pulled him, and he got ringed by everybody that all of a sudden knows everything about baseball. I mean, he was fresh. I think he made it five innings. He threw 65 pitches. He went straight to the bullpen. The Phillies ended up, I think, blowing a four- or five-run lead, and they lost. And then also, a couple days ago, Gabe Kapler called a lefty from the bullpen. Uh, Hobie Milner. Hobie Milner, which is the greatest. I mean, there are a lot of great baseball names, right? You got Quackenbush on the Padres. Um, God, what are some other good ones? Kyle Bearclaw on the Marlins. I was straight up. Now, it's not spelt like Bearclaw. It's like B-A-R-R-A-C-L-O-U-G-H. Well, if that was my name, I would for sure change it straight up to Bearclaw. Um, I don't know what the heck I was talking about. Hobie Milner. Yeah, Hobie Milner is a name straight out of like 1920 baseball. But he wasn't ready yet. No one told him to go to the bullpen. But Gabe thought he was there. But listen, you know, I kind of still like what Gabe Kapler's doing. He had some pretty good comments today on MLB.com. Here, let me grab him real quick. Yeah, everything's loading up for us right now. But Gabe Kapler, Gabe Kapler um, has pretty much kind of said Phillies fans have a right to be upset. You know, he's... um. Gabe Kapler has been very transparent in this whole approach, and I think that is extremely important. And I hope a lot of rebuilding baseball teams that are starting their rebuilds kind of look at what the Phillies are doing. I know the Phillies are kind of on the back end of their rebuild, so they're not going to have as much of a problem with fans as, say, like the Pittsburgh Pirates are. But his transparency is phenomenal. I watched one interview on MLB Network where with the whole bullpen debacle and he had said straight up like hey that's my fault that's on me Uh, there was nobody in the bullpen and it was an organization problem uh and that's my fault and that's on me and came out straight up and admitted it but it's it it wasn't your ordinary admission as much as it was just very passionate hey like that's on me we're going to move on from this like when he talks there's a certain amount of confidence about him i think that's huge for these teams that are rebuilding you know and Gabe Kapler's coming in there being very transparent with the things that he's doing as far as how he's going to handle the bullpen. And I don't hit the 65 pitches. I'm fine with Aaron Nola getting pulled at 65 pitches. And that, and here's the reason why the Philadelphia Phillies and Gabe Kapler, the whole organization, they believe they're going to make the playoffs hundred percent, right? Which sounds crazy because they lost like 92 games last year. But before you laugh at that, that's how these rebuilds go. The Cubs, were maybe 15 games under 500 then the next year they were 97 game winners you know we don't know why we don't know if the Phillies are at that point I have no idea at all but they expect to make the playoffs now obviously pitchers get hurt more than ever now it's Chris Sale threw 201 innings in 2017 and he led the whole entire league of baseball. I'm pretty sure you guys are 250, 300 innings. It's just not happening anymore. A lot of it's because guys throw harder. They're throwing younger. You've got to believe 10, 11 year olds are, you know, honing their craft with an eye to be, you know, high school, successful college and successful major league pitchers. A lot of mileage goes on these arms and the arms are throwing harder than ever. But I'll also point to playoff situations. David Price, Clayton Kershaw, Chris Sale. They go hard all season long and rack up these innings and they're not their best when it comes to the playoffs Aaron Nola is going to be your ace Aaron Nola will be this team's ace and Jake Arrieta is going to be the number two that's how it is conserve these guys if you can obviously you've got to find that sort of balance because 
it's going to be more taxing on the bullpen if Aaron Nola is only going five innings and 65 pitches. But this is just the beginning of the year. And the Phillies are carrying an extra guy or two, I think, in the bullpen anyway. They said they have a nine-man bullpen. I have no clue what the normal bullpen is. <laughs> I should because it's a podcast, right? It's a baseball podcast. But I'm totally okay with what he's doing. I might have a little bit of – oh, Nola actually threw 68 pitches. I've been saying 65 this whole entire time. The key thing to know is what Gabe Catler kind of talked about is they didn't overuse their bullpen, for one, even when they went into extra innings. And when asked by MLB.com about the negative view of kind of like the Phillies, here was Kapler's response. I'm very well aware of the perception thus far. I'm empathetic to the viewpoint. If people are upset, they have the right to be upset. It's my job to do this, which also included comments on his off day. He went over this big organizational plan so the same mistakes won't happen again. And I'm totally on board with this. People roasting Gabe Kapler, rookie coach, data guy, doesn't know what he's doing. Gabe Kapler's thing is he's going to come in here and disrupt the system and not play baseball just the way it's always been. You've got to figure a lot of managerial decisions are just made because it's the way they've always been. But Gabe Kapler's your thinking manager, and he's going to do things not because they're different, but also not because that's the way they've been done. He's doing it because he's coming in with this completely different approach that's going to, for one, based on his comments, really take the fan into account and be completely transparent with them and let them know, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's why we're doing it. We understand your frustration, but here's our long-term plan, which is to make the playoffs into the end of this year. Two, I believe his players have a full backing of it, and I think his number one goal is also to keep his players healthy at the same time where he can go ahead and make the playoffs. But there's nothing wrong with playing the game smarter, and the fact of the matter is to get a little corny, which Elon Musk talks about, if you're not failing – then you're not, if you're not failing frequently, you're not being innovative enough and trying new things often enough. So I love what Gabe Kapler's doing. I'm on board with it 100%. I have no problem with the Aaron Nola pool. I have no problem with even like the bullpen thing or him throwing, was it like 18 pitchers to throw 21 innings or something like that? I mean, he's, he's he also said in the MLB.com article that he was kind of gearing his pitchers up his his bullpen up so it wouldn't be like situational pitching to where a lefty comes in to face the lefty and a righty comes in to face the righty but he wants his relievers to be able to come in and face a chunk of guys which tells me that he wants to create some create versatility within his bullpen and I think that's huge too and when I look at this I can't be frustrated at Gabe because he's got a plan through this whole process and you can see it and he he makes it completely known to everybody which is a huge deal Greatest show on dirt. That's what you're listening to. If I could find this really funny tweet I liked a couple days ago, I don't know that I'll actually be able to find it, but it was in regards to the, ah, what was it? In regards to the, crap, dude, the Aaron Nola pool. This guy on Twitter tweeted, Al loved it. He said that he, uh, he bought his son a pack of baseball cards today, and the first card his son pulled was an Air Nola card, to which then he continued saying, my son was the second fastest to pull Air Nola besides Gabe Kapler. I, I died. I completely lost. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I'm in baseball card reference for sure. I love people are talking about baseball cards. But yeah, I mean, you know, his son pulled an Air Nola card, but Gabe Kapler, I got him out of there quick. I got him out of there quick. Next on the docket. What do you, oh, you know what? We're going to talk about the Brian Dozier and the Chance Cisco bunt. So two days ago, maybe, the Twins beat 
the Baltimore Orioles seven to nothing. Okay, fair enough, just like a normal game. But I believe it was in the eighth inning somewhere. Uh, Orioles rookie Chance Cisco. This was oh, actually, I think this was in the ninth because um, who's the Twins pitcher? Jose Barrios was throwing. Gosh dang it. Jose Brios was throwing like a complete game one hitter. And Chancisco comes up to bat. And they're playing the shift on him. And Chancisco bunts into the shift and gets his butt on first. They're losing. Like at the time, I think it might have been six to nothing. And Brian Dozier was not happy with that at all. It's like a, the whole entire Minnesota Twins team was mad that this kid, this rookie, bunted against the shift. And Brian Dozier, here was his quoted. I saw this on Twitter, reporter tweeted it. Obviously, we're not a fan of it. That being the bun against the shift. He's a young kid. I could have said something at second, but they have tremendous veteran leadership over here. Now, Brian Dozier, we're going to stop you there. Brian Dozier sounds like he's a participation trophy type of guy, right? We're sorry, Dozier, but we're, we're sorry about the competition that you've got to face, right? He, he said also he had a problem with the bunt because his pitcher was throwing a one-hitter. And my initial thought is, like, one, well, we're sorry that you guys didn't conserve your one hitter. We're sorry about the competition, Mr. Participation Trophy Pal. And, like, I'm not I'm not too sure where you're coming from here because we don't really care about your pitcher getting a one hitter, right? The Minnesota Twins, they did something strategic, and then so did the Baltimore Orioles, but then Brian Dozier wants to be mad about it. It was completely bonkers to me i'm not too sure about that at all jose barrio said i don't care if he's bunting he goes i know it's not good for baseball in that situation now jose barrio wants to say that bunting against the shift isn't good for baseball but does that mean the shift isn't good for baseball because that's essentially a strategic move that takes advantage of the situation which is what bunting against the shift does is take advantage of the situation you've got a problem here if this minnesota twins team is concerned with the one hitter then don't play the shift. And then the shift against the bunt just won't happen. So don't play the shift anymore. I don't, I don't know what to say. Like, Brian Dozier, have you ever had a pitcher on your team intentionally walk a guy to get around him or to pitch around a guy to get around him? This doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. The th part that pisses me off more than anything about it is I could have said something at second base. Now, if I'm a teammate of Chance Cisco's, like if I'm Chris Davis, I'm mad. Don't talk about our leadership or reference our leadership in any way and don't even think about saying something to our guy on second base because we're going to put one in your hip next time we play you this is crazy to me sam miller on espn said that this was a good thing and a bad thing that brian dozier said this because it was the strategic move to get in players heads because then they'll be embarrassed to do stuff like this in the future and they'll it's like reverse psychology which makes absolutely zero sense to me because of veteran leadership you know if brian dozier's in that situation he's going to encourage a young rookie to bunt against the shift hell he'd bunt against the shift himself if it if it talked about winning the game but i don't care if it's one to nothing or six to nothing right brian dozier might deem six to nothing to not be a close game but that to me absolutely makes zero sense because you could score six seven eight runs in an inning right i'm a cups fan so when the marlins scored eight runs in the top of the eighth in the old 03 nlcs i cried I cried, and then, then my tears were just all over my hands. And, like, I, I was showering in my tears that night because they scored eight runs in one inning. So a six-run lead's not impossible to take. Dozier, stop with the nonsense now. I'm telling you.
This is the greatest show on dirt. We have been, we've been, we're going to record this thing for maybe 10 more minutes. So if you're in the car, hopefully, hopefully you'll be in work in about 10 more minutes. Gosh, really don't like that. Really don't like that Dozier call. Mm. These unwritten rules get out of here with that stuff. We've, um, we've been trying to build a Twitter following lately, trying to figure out how we want to talk to people on Twitter, you know, um, our kind of our, one of our big goals on Twitter is just to provide information and I, and, and do so in a fun way, I would say. So I, I make a lot of tweets, probably maybe 10 a day tops. And that's between both of my accounts. I would say the greatest show on dirt podcast, maybe gets about six tweets a day. Then my personal might get two or three and then whatever. I don't know the exact number. I'm no Einstein. Um, but I always, always try to respond to people quick. So if someone likes something, Maybe I like to like something of theirs, or if they leave a comment, I want to comment back pretty quick. So when I'm at work, I'm I'm heavy in my notifications. I'll tell you that right now because I just, I just love to talk baseball with people, people I don't know, and this is great because to be able to do this podcast and to get on Twitter, there's just this community of people you can just really talk and enjoy baseball with, because you know we all work nine to five and can't be on the telephone all day. So this is what I like to do. So today, and I've been having this problem on Twitter a lot where I'm like, oh, like someone liked my tweet. And I'm like, oh, they followed me back. So the first thing I do is I go to their Twitter account to kind of just see what they're about. You know, like who's their favorite team? Where do they live at? Because I just honestly like to know who I'm interacting with, you know. So if they're from San Francisco, you know, I've talked to Giants fans um, on Twitter that I don't even know about Giants baseball. And honestly, it's fun. They have great opinions because – you know, they're in their hometown, and that's the kind of stuff I like to know. I love to talk to hometown kids, you know, guys and girls who, who love their team and kind of follow them on Twitter and figure out what a lot of their takes are and their thoughts on what their team's doing. So I'm on today, and I'm like, ooh, I got Tammy Michelson and Cody Nations like my tweet. Now, Cody's my buddy, and he's going to be on the podcast tomorrow, but Tammy Michelson, I'm like, oh, Who's Tammy Michelson? So I go and I'm like, oh, Tammy Michelson. And then I, because Tammy Michelson sounds like, if I envision Tammy Michelson, she's maybe uh, 56 years old. She's a grandma. She lives in Northern Illinois and she's a Cubs fan and she's been a Cubs fan all her life because her grandpa and her dad were Cubs fans. She, and she might have been a teacher and she's just real caring and giving. And probably Tammy Michelson's probably the type of lady that volunteers at a local animal shelter, right? I would like to see that completely. So when I click on Tammy Michelson, the description is, do you like it? Gently come in. That, my friends, is porn. And there's been a lot of porn on Twitter. And honestly, I get a few porn people to follow me every other time on Twitter. And I don't know how to block them. And I don't really know what word triggered it because the tweet because because most of my tweets won't get these bad people to follow along but sometimes i'll tweet and like a bunch of people will follow me that are risque accounts that you know i i don't like it gently and i don't want you to like my stuff and i don't want to come in anywhere um c-o-m-e-i-n i'm not being perverted i'm just reading a twitter bio and it, but here was the tweet that i did so let's see what triggered it Guess I'm going to keep watching this White Sox game. See if Josh Donaldson gets a fastball in the hip. Also, Reynaldo Lopez, six innings, two hits, one run, hit 96 easy, and had a great changeup. I'm guessing hip or easy. Easy must have done it. It's crazy. I don't know how to stop this stuff. They're everywhere. I never follow them back. But I did actually follow one back on accident on Instagram, and I got a really bad instant message. I had to delete real quick. And I had opened my phone up in front of people 
where like people were sitting around me and I couldn't get off that screen quick enough. It was quite embarrassing to the point which some people might think I'm a creepazoid because they saw something on my phone that was quite scandalous, but it wasn't me. It was just something scandalous that, that had that infiltrated my Twitter, but that's neither here nor there. I'm just trying to get the followers going, but really thanks to anyone that follows it. So if you're listening to the podcast and you follow us on Twitter, of course, at the greatest show on dirt. We just want to say thanks because we've got, holy cow, almost 300 followers. Now, 293. That's huge for me. I love it. So thanks to anyone that follows it. And if you don't, please do. We kind of just get on there on a daily basis and talk baseball, try to interact with people. If we if we find funny clips, you know, we like to post them and things like that. And ultimately, we just want to provide something that's fun, something that's informational. And hey, you know, if it makes you laugh and you learn something, hey, I'm all right with it. That's great. Twitter right now, Buster only four minutes ago. Matt Harvey's tonight, this Tuesday night, has pitched five scoreless. That's huge. Seemingly averaging about 15 to 18 seconds between pitches. So it seems like he's pitching quick, which I like. I've always been a fan of pitchers pitching quick and not losing that momentum. You know, Kyle Hendricks, Chicago Cubs, is a fast pitcher. But my guy I always think of is Mark Burley. Bryce Harper, Tuesday night, Bryce Harper just hit a home run. God, this guy will not stop hitting home runs. Bryce Harper won't. He just hit, this is fourth home run of the year of Julio Tehran. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm watching the game live. Um, but I've always been a fan of pitchers that pitch quick. Also, the Nationals have a quick pitcher that I saw last year, Eric Fetty. Eric Fetty pitched so quick, he pitched so fast that Chris Bryant was startled, tried to call a timeout in the box. This was last year and didn't get the timeout in time, and Eric Fetty threw a strike, and Chris Bryant was mad. And I like shook my head like, you have no right to be mad. You're in the batter's box. Get ready to hit. We need this game to move fast. But Bryce Harper, wow, this whole Nationals team is getting off to a hot start. They're 4-0, and I believe, right now the Nationals are. They are racking up first inning runs like a madman. Adam Eaton, hoo-hoo, Adam Eaton, that tells you what they missed last year. The Nationals won, what the, Nationals won 97 games last year and did not have Adam Eaton. Adam Eaton is the biggest free agent signing of this of the National League right now. And I know he's not a free agent signing, but he's a guy they didn't have it. Now they have all of a sudden. He went five for five the other night. I mean, this guy is playing out of his mind. He's he's smart on the bases. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal personality. And he's just man, he he's he's getting first inning hits and he's scoring runs. And it's that you go me go mentality with Adam Eaton because he starts it off and the whole team follows. Bryce Harper hit a home run. Oh, it was the uh, it was last night. Bryce Harper hit the. It wasn't the overrated home run, but it was the home run that Bryce hit on Monday night. And I I put it on our Twitter so you'd be able to see it there or on the Nationals or wherever really, wherever you go to get your sports from. We just hope it's from us. And he hit this ball so high the. The, the TV announcer for the Nationals was like, and that ball is gone because the ball had so much hang time. It was like we thought it disappeared for a second because the ball's up in the air. Then it's just kind of gone. So the camera's just focused on, like, the rocks out in center field. And, like, the announcer doesn't know what to say because he's timing his thing. They're like, okay, that ball's about to come down now, and it doesn't come down. And it's literally dead air on there because the ball had a hang time. Like Michael Jordan. It was the craziest thing ever. Actually, you know what? I'll play it for you right now if we got a second. But, and I also got an Adam Eaton quote I want to go over as well. But when you talk, when you talk about the Washington Nationals, they're pitchers right now. Um, ending with the 
because this is their fifth starter going right now, A.J. Cole. You got to Tanner Roark even pitched, I think, seven innings of one-run ball, which was huge. And, I mean, so their starting pitchers alone are pitching phenomenal. And then on top of that, you, you've got the hitters topping down top to bottom from the lineup. I can actually tell you all their batting averages right now. It's completely bonkers, but they're in such a rhythm right now. And I thought at the beginning of the year, not that I'm any sort of expert on this stuff, because if I say it, I'm probably going to be wrong, but I, I figured that the Nationals had built a certain level of intangibles from losing so many times in the NLDS. I guess there's really not a better way to say that. With Dave Martinez coming into the mix, and then you know them bringing Howie Kendrick back, having Bryce Harper hopefully healthy for the full year, getting Adam Eaton back, and then also having a full season with Trey Turner. You've got like Michael A. Taylor, who I guess is probably going to come off the bench. They're not even playing with Daniel Murphy, who's going to be back soon. But look at these numbers. Adam Eaton's batting 571 with a 1768 OPS. Bryce 429-1831. Anthony Rendon, slow start, 238. I'm not worried about it. Howie Kendrick, 333. Brian Goodwin, 375. I feel like I saw that guy hit a monster home run, too, the other day. Great team, though. Great team. I feel like they're huge. They're deep on the bench. But this team's scoring a lot of runs. They're scoring a lot of early runs and first inning runs. And not only are they... I, I, like, I always love a team that'll score early runs. That puts the pitcher in a good situation. A pitcher can have a 3-4 run lead and pitch, pitch a little more freely as opposed to being down by one run or only having a one run lead. That's huge. For these guys, for sure. Um, oh, let me bring up that Bryce Harper clip. Hold that thought. Where are you? All right, guys, we're back. I'm going to play that Bryce Harper clip. Listen to this and listen to the delay in the announcement. This is amazing. Hold that thought. Here it is. Welcome to Har Harper and Bryce. High in the air. Right center. See you <laughs> later. <laughs> That's crazy. I can't believe it. They were just like, it's high and it's deep. And then he just sits there like, we have no idea what's happening. At that time, Brycey was 455 and an 1852 OPS. The awkward pause, the baseball hang time like MJ. This is crazy town. This guy is completely on fire, completely focused. Not only is it a walk year, but you've got this Washington Nationals team that is completely way more motivated than I could ever be on like a Friday to get out of work. It's like, you know how motivated you are to go to work on a Monday? These guys are like the very opposite of that to the extreme level, but like on a Friday, right? Like they're doing, that's a horrible analogy. I can't be funny on this podcast. My apologies, guys. But holy cow. And I absolutely cannot get enough of Adam Eaton here. Check this out. I've got this hilarious Adam Eaton quote. So, a reporter asked Adam Eaton coming off the field a couple days ago why he was moving slow. Um, you know, because he had the torn ACL or whatever the uh, last season, right? So this is what happens. Um, oh, hold on. Wrong spot. Where is that? I'd prepare for this a little better. We'd be in good shape. Um, what I do is, like, I save all these articles because basically all I do with my life is... Uh, what do like baseball stuff? Like it's, it's honestly at this point, it's affecting like my real life job because I mean, deadlines, man. Like what, what's that really have to do with me? I, I'm not too sure, but, um, yeah, I do a lot of baseball stuff at work too. And I, I read baseball all day and I've got this app called pocket. So get pocket.com or you can download the app on your phone and any baseball article you read, you can save it on like the pocket server. So you can always go back to it later. So anytime, and this is a handy app, not a sponsor of the show, but it's a handy app because any baseball article I read like during the day, and maybe I want to reference it 
for some sort of idea from the podcast, I save it via the Pocket app. Then I can go back for it again. I can search for the article by name or like if it's an Adam Eaton article, I'll just search Adam Eaton and something will come up. It's really handy. But this was it, right? So this is from uh, News Observer, newsobserver.com. Um, this was Adam Eaton's quote on why he was moving slowly after the game. <laughs> this is what Adam said. He goes, I don't know how I look, but I feel I feel pretty good. Like I've, But I've always kind of old manned it. You should interview my wife. She's like, yeah, he's always slumped over. I walk really slow, and when I jog, I jog like I'm 85 years old, but it's just me conserving my body. The best part of this is ever is he goes, I don't know how I look. I've kind of always old manned it. You should ask my wife. I'm always slumped over. Literally, his wife would say that he's always slumped over. This is hilarious. Adam Eaton is that guy right now. His numbers have got to be through the roof, and it's just I love his attitude. Like, it's crazy. His Twitter picture is the best. I think, like, his son uh, messing with, like, a bucket of baseballs. It's probably the best thing ever. I guess coming into today's game, because Baseball Reference has him at three games played, batting, oh, just a healthy 615. I mean, this is a guy that, I mean, this year is going to be a career year for him. He's 29. You know he's going to be coming into his prime. In 2016 with the Sox, I mean, he batted 284 with 14 home runs, and that was in 2016. Holy crap, in 2016, Adam Eaton was a six-win player. The year before that, four, and a year before that, 5.3. Now, this is a lot to take in right here, because if you look at the Nationals, Adam Eaton's probably going to be at least a six-win player. Then you've got Bryce Harper, who's going to rack up a bunch of wins. Then you got Anthony Rendon, who was a seven-win player last year. This is a team that's... They're scary. The, for me, they're the team to beat in the National League. 100% to beat in the National League. Like, I, kn I know the Dodgers won the uh, the NL last year, but the Nationals are that team right now. They really are. Um, here's an interesting tweet I had today. Now, I found this number while I was working, and it took me, honestly, about 20 minutes to find it because I'm not so much of, like, a data guy because – like, I just bought a baseball reference subscription and a fan graph subscription so I can kind of get everything in uninterrupted. And baseball reference has uh, this play index feature. So you can get into this play index feature, which you pay, I think I paid 36 bucks for the entire year for it. And you can really figure out, like, who was the shortstop with the most home runs in August from 1990 to 2002. Like, you can really get a lot of this stuff. It's a phenomenal tool and it's really fun. But for me, it makes me sweat and gives me a really bad headache because, like, I they're so difficult to, like, figure out. It's going to take me a while. But here's something I found via Baseball Reference because you can get on Baseball Reference and season by season you can find um, pitchers' game logs and it'll tell you what they did that game, what innings they pitched, and so on and so forth. Now, last night against the Diamondbacks, it's just the talk of the town. Um, Kenley Jansen, he uh, blew a three-run lead, blew a save, got the loss, and – Oh, gosh, I guess he probably did come in in the 15th. And during that inning, he walked two batters in a row. Right now, like, Kenley Jansen walked seven batters all of last year. And I knew that, right? And, I mean, Kenley Jansen didn't walk a batter last year, I'm wanting to say, for, like, three months or something crazy like that. But what was interesting was not only did Kenley Jansen walk two guys last night, but he did it in a row, right? Look at Look at Kenley's 2017, 109 strikeouts, seven walks. I'm betting that this guy didn't walk a guy for the first, oh gosh, probably two months of the year last year. Look at this stuff. Kenley Jansen, 
last season, he, his first game was on April 5th of 2017, right? It's what we're talking about last year. He didn't walk a guy until June 25th. Almost the first three months of the season, he had made, holy cow, 31 appearances before he walked a guy. But like I said, what was interesting about last night is, yeah, not only did he walk two guys, but he did it in a row. So I'm digging through baseball reference and all these game logs going, well, when was the last time he walked two guys? And then has he ever done it in a row? Now, I did find... um. A couple times where he had walked two guys like in 2015, but usually one of those walks, I found it twice, and then each time one of those walks was an intentional walk. So I was like, okay. Then I found another time about in 2015 where he did walk two guys in one inning. But I wanted to know had he ever walked two guys in a row? Because if your your favorite baseball team surely has a reliever or a closer that's come in that's been off and that's walked a couple guys in a row, right? I mean, totally excusable because they're just hanging out in the bullpen all day, either sweating their butt off or freezing cold. Then all of a sudden they got to get up and get pumped up. It, it might take them a little bit to kind of, you know, get geared up for that because when's a pitcher's hardest inning to pitch? Well, first inning, right? They got to get warmed up and used to it. Well, relievers don't get that thing. We need you to pitch good and we need you to do it now for this one inning, right? You can't kind of figure this thing out as you go. So it would not be uncommon. To say, oh, my guy walked a couple guys, and he did it in a row, and that kind of sucked, but he pitched out of the jam. So what you can do on Baseball Reference is you go through these game logs, and then once you're in the game log, and like I saw the game where Kenley Jansen had walked two guys, and this particular date was May 1st of 2014. So I click on May 1st of 2014. I click on his pitch count for that Nander game logs, and it takes you to Brooks Baseball, and it'll tell you the order of guys he pitched, and if those walks were indeed in a row, right? So to find, here's what happened. The last time Kenley Jansen walked two batters in a row was May 1st of 2014. Almost, save one month, four years ago was the last time Kenley Jansen walked two guys in a row. And I, I didn't point this out to say, oh, Kenley Jansen's got a problem. This tweet was to point out that Kenley Jansen is a monster and simply doesn't mess up, right? Like, so, and Kenley Jansen's response to this was like, who cares? Like, it's one game. And you want to know the truth? He's 100% right. Because out of this, May 1st, 2014 was 200 and 51 appearances ago so one game out of 251 he basically did really bad that's one out of 251 like that's pretty good i mean there aren't a lot of things that i could do 251 times in a row like like i think i could go to wendy's and eat 251 chicken nuggets like, like I, I say that with a passion. Like, I'm pretty sure I could eat 251 chicken nuggets. There was another food I was just thinking of the other day that I thought I could eat an infinite amount. Hot dogs. I said on last week's podcast, I couldn't eat 251 hot dogs. I bet you I could eat 251 chicken nuggets. I ain't kidding you, kid. Give me the sweet and sour sauce and it's game on. But this Kenley Jansen stat blew my mind. Like, I don't even know what to say about it. It's crazy to me. It really is. Um, what do we want to talk about now? Crazy thing, if you haven't heard, the Houston Astros played a four-man outfield 
on Joey Gallo. They put four guys in the outfield. Listen to this crap. Alex Bregman's the stud third baseman on the Astros. On opening day, because Joey Gallo is the second batter, like four pitches into this game, AJ Hinch, he, he he's he's telling his guys to do their thing. And Alex Bregman, third baseman, he marches his butt out to left field. I kid you not. Left field. So they had four full outfielders out there. Then Jose Altuve wasn't shallow right. So, like, I kid you not. This is how it was. Alex Bregman in left, who's the third baseman. And then you still run uh, George Springer in center. But then the left fielder was probably who Marwin Gonzalez. And then the far right fielder was Josh Reddick. But then you had Jose Altuve. The shortstop was on the other side of second. Then Jose Altuve was in shallow left field. So when you looked at this field, when Joey Gallo was hitting on opening day, from the view they had, the, the baseball field looked vacant. It looked like nobody was on it, but you could see the pitcher and Joey Gallo because like two-thirds of the field was bare-ass empty and nobody was on it because AJ Hitch put all of his guys where Joey Gallo was probably going to hit the ball. And on that particular at-bat, he did fly out the left to Alex Bregman, but then he hit a home run like I think a day later over Alex Bregman's head and then actually dropped one in the gap on the shift in left field between the left fielder and the left fielder, right? Real weird, but oh my God, this four-man outfield. These guys in the shifts, and you know, the ball they're playing, I don't know that I like it, to be honest with you. I don't. And I don't mean to sound like Brian Dozier to be like some sort of cranky dude, Um Maybe I do like it. I don't know. We can try to unpack this a little bit because my initial thought is I don't like it. Just play your own position because I feel like the shift could affect the game in a negative way. Holy crap, I do sound like Brian Dozier. But that's what I kind of want to think, you know. But part of that could be because my hitters on my favorite team hit into the shifts a lot. So that could obviously make me mad. But I just I don't want the game to be affected. Like I really don't. And I feel like when teams are shifting then that's less balls in play because what are they shifting for? For balls that are in play. Obviously, you'll hit a home run out of the shift, but shifts, that's less balls in play. Like I don't like that a whole lot. I think because, you know, like if you're in football, encroachment's a thing, right? You can't go off sides and put your players anywhere on the field. You've got a certain boundaries they've got to be in. It's kind of like that with basketball, right? I, I, I never played basketball growing up, but like, uh, there's like a, a three-second rule or three men in the key or three men in the lane, right? You can't just stack your guys everywhere. You, you've got to do certain things on the court, and if you're down below the basket for more than three seconds while the offense has the ball, I, th I think that's a, that's a foul, right? It's a defensive foul. But Major League Baseball, they can, they can put their players anywhere on the field. There are no regulations on it, right? And I want to say that this keeps baseballs out of play, these heavy shifts, and the positions are assigned. You play third, you play short, you play second. And the shortstop shouldn't necessarily be able to go over second. And then the second baseman shouldn't be able to go a shallow left, right? So that's my initial, like, grumpiness after my favorite first baseman, Anthony Rizzo, just hit into the shift for the umpteenth time. And I'm so mad. But then on the other end of it, right, it creates exciting baseball. Chance Cisco strategically drops a bun against the shift. And it's honestly one of the best things ever when somebody bunts against the shift like i love to see kyle schwarber just drop a bunt against the shift and here's what happens everyone's on the right side of the diamond then kyle bunts this ball down the left field line and there it is just rolling 
And what happens is the third baseman or the pitcher, they don't even run for it. They just stand there and look at the ball and like slowly walk to it and pick it up. And you just watch the baseball just roll and then kind of stop. And then they pick it up and the whole defense is just completely dejected. And then all the fans at home are just like cheesing out of their mind. I mean, this is to the point where Joey Gallo is practicing bunting right now. And they said it. Um, ah, the, uh, the Rangers manager don't remember. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If you ever try to record a podcast or if you're listening to me, like last podcast, I called Tyler Chatwood, Tyler Chatworth. But like what happens is when you record a podcast, like you forget the simplest things. Like those are facts right now. (laughs) It's true. So that's why like I'm sitting here going, well, I don't know if I know who the Rangers manager is. But here's the thing. Joey Gallo is practicing bunting a little bit now don't get it twisted though this isn't going to be one of those things to where joey gallo is just going to start bunting every time the shift comes because joey gallo his skill set's not a bunter right and if if you're a team and you shift on joey gallo and he bunts that's a win it's not like joey gallo is some sort of speed demon and on top of that joey gallo yokes home runs and he can hit him to opposite field, and he can turn on him, right? I mean, this guy hit he's hit a home run with like a seven-second hang time once. and But he is practicing bunting a little bit because he might drop down a bun every now and then just in an attempt to keep the defense honest. But, um, yeah, you know, that that's exciting stuff. You know, if you see Joey Gallo drop down a bunt, like obviously I'd like to see him yoke a home run. But, I mean, the day Joey Gallo drops a bunt and I see it, like, I'm going to die laughing as I just watch that ball spin and watch this 41 home run guy that just hits baseballs like 600 million feet. Like, I'm going to love it and I'm going to die. Um, but, I mean, there are a lot of exciting things that happen to this too. And plus, it's also very exciting to see someone beat the shift and just hit out of it, kind of like what Joey Gallo did the other day. Um, yeah, because what it was is he dropped one between the two left fielders, which was pretty cool. Um, but no, no, but the, uh, he's not going to bunt every time. And the answer to, you know, bunting against the shift every time, is just not a good one because it takes the player skill set away. It really does. And Joey Gallo's best suited to hit home runs. So expect Joey Gallo, even with the four man outfield, Joey Gallo is still going to swing away 110%. But he might, depending on the situation, you know, depending on who's pitching, he might drop down a bunt every now and then. That is 100% going to be fun to see. Greatest show on dirt. That's what you're listening to. Well, I I guess I pretty much just talked myself, talked myself into the shift. Let it ride. 100%. Next on the docket. Gosh, what else do we want to talk about? David Price did his best Bob Ross impression the other day. Did a lot of uh, painting on the outside corners look to the point of seven innings of 76 pitch baseball. That's good. That's good, pal. And that is huge. If this guy's going to pick a time to be back, right, this is the time now. He's um, he's in, he's in a lot better shape mentally. He did admit last year that he was really angry, that he was mad at the world, and a lot of that had to do with his injury. And there's something 100% when you are an athlete and you get injured, you feel like your body's betrayed you a little bit, you know, because you've still got the drive. But when the body doesn't hold up and that's 
not only your livelihood, but there's got to be a certain amount of identity to it. It, it It's going to hurt. It's going to affect you. And that's what it did David Price last year. This year, he's kind of vowed to be nice, to not be grumpy, and hopefully to be in a lot better mood and pitch a lot better. And his number one start did it. You know, his velo was down, but he located pitches. He was doing one of the one of his best Greg Maddox impressions, which is, is he didn't Maddox this game. I'm not saying that, baseball guys. I understand he didn't Maddox this game and baseball girls. But I, I I forgive him for what he did last year. I mean, it's not like I'm not this Red Sox fan where I need to forgive him and I'm struggling for it. But I hope he pitches well this year because if he does the, the Red Sox-Yankees thing, it's going to be pretty interesting. But great start for him for sure. Like I said, 70, 76 pitches. Um, so that was good. But, yeah, he had the spat with uh, Dennis Eckersley on the airplane. Yeah, it wasn't good. He was pretty mad about that. I'm kind of just ranting about it now. Honestly, you know what I'm trying to do right now is I was talking about David Price's body betraying him and how that was kind of angry to him. Like, he was kind of mad by that. And sometimes, like, I know how my body acts, like, when it betrays me. Like, if I've eaten a lot of tacos or, like, my mom's chili, right? Like, I ate my mom's chili. And, gosh, she makes really good chili and really good lasagna, too. Shout out, Mom. But sometimes in those instances, my body betrays me. And I get a little frustrated and I get a little grumpy because my body's doing weird things. Like, mentally, I'm focused. But physically, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Greatest show on dirt. Live from the Sweet Bee Studio. I'm going to go up. You know, I'm here. Here's here's something about one's body betraying them. So, Two of my favorite beers to drink during baseball season are Old Style and Hams. Two great Midwest classics. And where I'm at in North Carolina, you can actually buy Hams beer. So the day before opening day, I go buy a case of Hams beer. 24 Hams. Okay. Now that Thursday night, okay, I drank one Hams beer. Now Hams beer kid this ain't a craft beer and i think on a scale of like one to keystone light like one being bad one being really really no 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 here's the beer scale here's the beer scale on a scale of king cobra to like king cobra to keystone light i'm not gonna lie hams is probably at best right in between the two it's a great beer for, like, nostalgic purposes. God, it is a dank beer. I kid you not. I drank one. Within 30 minutes, I already had a headache. And I physically, physically, I had hangover type effects. That night and the next day, I was dehydrated. I had, like, dry mouth. And I had this huge headache where I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I need to wear sunglasses. Shut the blinds. It was so bad. And I've still got some Ham's beer in the fridge, and I don't know that I can finish them. Oh, they make me cringe just to even look at them. But I guess what happens when you're 34 years old. Like, I used to be able to drink beer like water. I probably drank more beer than water 10 years ago. But that one Ham's beer was like, literally, I just, like, corkscrewed myself, like, in my arm. It hurt so bad to drink that one beer. Man, I've got so much of it. And it's so great, like... One of my favorite things to do is to drink a Ham's beer and watch a baseball game. I don't think my body can handle it. Like, it's going to be one of two things. Like, one, my body just can't handle the Ham's beer. Or two, it's like cheap-ass beer, spring training, right? Like, so if you're a pitcher, you just don't jump out of 
out of the house in February and throw 100 pitches in seven innings. Like you've got to kind of warm up to it. So maybe I'll put myself on a spring training hams beer schedule to where like I drink half of one and then one, then rest two days and then drink. An, that, that, that actually sounds like alcoholism. Let's not drink every day. Um, probably just going to drink them slow and sip them. And maybe just not drink them all. I'm not too sure. But I've got all this Ham's beer, man. I bought a ton. I was excited for opening day. Holy crap. Speaking of, uh, let's go back to opening day. Opening day on ESPN. I've got some notes on this, actually. Alex Rodriguez. Now, I Google searched a little bit of A-Rod today because I kind of wanted to know during the Sunday night ESPN game. Giants and Dodgers if I'd missed anything because because I loved the Alex Rodriguez ESPN calling but when you google search it people don't like Alex Rodriguez game calling they think he's stupid someone even I was on some website where because Alex Rodriguez on Sunday Night Baseball was talking about launch angle and how it's really not the end all to be all and someone someone wrote an article and was like haha that's straw man 101 <clears throat> because that argument against launch angle doesn't hold up. But Alex Rodriguez wasn't lo- arguing against launch angle, right? You can't really have a conversation about launch angle with, and home runs with a guy that's hit 696 home runs. I mean, he had 429 home runs before he was 30. That's like 50 more home runs than everybody via baseball references tweet yesterday. Very useful. So you can't have that conversation with him. Alex Rodriguez was talking about hitting line drives. And hitting more line drives and a lot about situational hitting. And I agree with what A-Rod says. So first, let's slow down and get some backstory because I'm probably talking real fast. Alex Rodriguez was saying something along the lines that launch angle and teaching launch angle and hitting fly balls isn't always the end all to be all. Sometimes you need to put the ball in play based on the situation. For example, maybe it's a one run game. And it's the sixth inning or later or whatever, seventh inning or later, whatever you consider being a late game. Maybe your team wants to get together and hit some ground balls and hit some line drives versus going full launch angle and flying out a lot. And I saw that a lot because being a Cubs fan, I watched a few Cubs games over the weekend. And what I saw with the Cubs is they there were a couple times in that series where they needed one or two runs. But... Nobody was really hitting a lot of ground balls and a lot of line drives. So I would see like guys on base and then like Hayward or Rizzo or Bryant would like fly out. Like not even really an aggressive fly ball, just a pop fly, like nothing impressive, nothing like crazy hard hit. And I remember watching that game thinking in my head, like I'm not going to line drive to the gap, you know, because if you're hitting a line drive, something that's lower and harder, it's not necessarily going to be caught, but also try to poke a ground ball up the middle. You know, get someone that's fast on base. Like Chris Bryant can steal a base. Heck, Kyle Schwarber can steal a base. So it's not like A-Rod was saying that launch angle is bogus, but what he was really saying that like launch angles is kind of a lot of hitters, one-dimensional game, and he doesn't like that and doesn't agree with it. Now, some like baseball data guys will say, that's straw man 101. That argument doesn't hold up. He's right. And part of this is what I liked about A-Rod's like Sunday night game calling so much. Like he analyzed launch angle. Um, what I like when he said, he's basically like line drives will always be in style. And I, I, I like what he said on launch angle. You know, I hope that's clear on what I'm saying, what he thought about launch angle, but he's kind of calling for more situational hitting. 
hitting line drives and ground balls when needed. And I kind of agree with it. Like, it's always nice that a, a player hits a home run late in the game. But when you've got a Chicago Cubs team that didn't really have any hard hit ground balls or line drives and split four games against unequivocally the worst team in baseball, and then like twice the Cubs have been shut out for 18 innings in a row and then 14 innings in a row where this team didn't score a run at all. And they got shut out by a Reds rookie pitcher who's nothing to write home about and then just split with the Marlins. And then the games they won against the Marlins, they had to go to extra innings once. And then I think the other one they won by like eight to four or something like that, which was opening day and John Lester pitching. It wasn't any good. Cubs fans are going to kill me for that one. But hey, you know, this is sort of, um, I mean, he, he's got points. And Alex Rodriguez is a smart guy when it comes to that stuff. But also, here, here's, here's one thing that Alex Rodriguez said. So Sunday night baseball, Joe Panic is up to bat. Now, this was the last game of the series, so the Giants lost this game. So this wasn't one of the one nothing games that the Giants won. The Giants lost the Sunday night baseball game. But Joe Panic was up. Joe Panic's a lefty. And he was facing Rich Hill, who's a lefty. Curveball specialist. Andrew McCutcheon was on deck. And I believe there was a runner on second because Rich Hill may have given up a double to lead off the inning. And Alex Rodriguez had the notion that if he was Rich Hill that he might pitch around Joe Panic, forego the lefty-on-lefty matchup and bring up Alan McCut- uh, Andrew McCutcheon, to which Jess Mendoza and Matt Vasgersian are like, wait, you'd really do that? And Alex Rodriguez was like, yeah, I would absolutely do that because Joe Panic is swinging a hot bat. He's swinging, he's, he's a hot guy right now. He's hitting well. And his splits are inversed in the sense of he can hit better against lefties than he can righties. I don't know if that's true, but that is what Alex Rodriguez said. And so that's what he said. He goes, I honestly would pitch around panic or walk panic because he's such a hot hitter. And I got a guy on second. And at the time, I think the game was one to nothing or two to nothing and pitched to Andrew McCutcheon. And they were all like, they almost looked at him like he was stupid. Like, wait, you'd really do that? Like, this is a lefty on lefty matchup right here. And Alex Rodriguez replied, yeah, but. It's not always about data. Like, you have to, like, analyze the eye test here, you know? Tell me about the eye test. What like, what do I see in real life that's happening right now that's not on the spreadsheet, right? Like, we're not playing poker here. We don't have, like, a set 52 cards and are playing blackjack and saying, well, if you know, you hold if, like, that's what your hand is because that's just what you do because all these chances. Like, baseball is still... Baseball is not a finite sport, right? There are infinite possibilities that can happen. And what Alex Rodriguez said in that moment was, sometimes you got to throw the data out the window and perform the eye test. What is happening right now in this situation? Yes, I have a lefty-on-lefty matchup, but Joe Panic's hot, and I would absolutely pitch around Joe Panic and get the catch. What happened? Joe Panic walked, and then Andrew McCutcheon came to the plate and on the first pitch flied out. And it was no big deal. And I kind of got to say there, I agreed with Alex Rodriguez too. It was some of the most entertaining, but not only entertaining, some of the most informational game calling ever. And most people online were bashing Alex Rodriguez because he opened a water bottle and it shot out and got all over his Brooks Brothers suit. 
and shot in Jessica Mendoza's face and got all over her because he cracked open a water bottle. So if you search Alex Rodriguez Sunday Night Baseball, you're going to find literally 50 articles on A-Rod opening up a water bottle, but not one about him calling a baseball game that was entertaining and informative, right? He looks at the outfielders because the outfielders, I think the defense on the Giants kind of had like a bad day. And Alex Rodriguez nonchalantly was like, yeah, you know that, that those outfielders are going to get together after the game. You know, they're all going to drink a cocktail and kind of talk this thing out. And what was so interesting about that is Alex Rodriguez is calling these games like Tony Romo calls football games. He's got the ability to call them and relate to these Major League Baseball players so much. It makes the game calling so fun, literally so enter entertaining and informative, right? And I watch an ESPN Sunday night baseball game. And I don't care if it's the Marlins playing <clears throat> like whatever bad teams in baseball. I don't care if it's the Marlins playing the Tampa Bay Rays. I'll, I'll watch that awful game of these two teams that have sold everything off. If A-Rod's calling it, cause that guy can call a game and he knows his stuff. You'll learn a ton by A-Rod calling a game. Listen to this. Puig slides into second base on Sunday Night Baseball. Puig was running over the bases like a madman that night. You even saw Puig in between first and second get caught in the pickle. And then uh, Corey Seager walked home, right? Did you see that play? Here's what here's what A-Rod said. He goes, Puig must have been drinking Cuban coffee. His hair's on fire while he's running the bases. And like, to watch Puig even that night, he's such a fun player to watch. A lot of good things happen in baseball right now with fun players. And from a game-calling standpoint, I love guys like A-Rod because he's saying stuff with substance, right? Unlike the podcast you're listening to now, like he says really meaningful stuff. I loved A-Rod on Sunday Night Baseball. If you haven't watched A-Rod on Sunday Night Baseball, just do it. Um, oh, <laughs> this is the last thing I'm going to mention on A-Rod. So he... So Buster Olney was asking Alex Rodriguez about... Did he ever pay attention to numbers on the scoreboard? Because at the beginning of the season, all Major League Baseball players, they've got all these categories with zeros in it, right? So Dexter Fowler, like two days ago, tweeted, I'll get a hit, I'll get a hit, I'll get a hit on his Twitter 13 times. And all of a sudden he got a hit. And he was just like, well, I just put it into the universe. I wanted a hit. Just being funny, right? He's not really like a Joel Osteen fanatic. But like what this is... Um, so it's a huge deal. I lost my train of thought. That like when players haven't got a hit, they've got these goose eggs in the category. So Buster Olney asked A-Rod, hey, A-Rod, so did you ever look at the scoreboard? Like when you'd come up and like not have a hit yet or be in a slump? And A-Rod's like, yeah, man, I would always look at the scoreboard. Like I did that a few times and it drove me nuts. And then he proceeds to tell Buster, I mean, Buster, you saw my 2016 numbers and they were ugly and awful and I started cracking up because straight up A-Rod acknowledged the last season of his career in 2016 with the Yankees how bad his numbers were and how he would walk to the scoreboard and just like shake his head and be like oh like every time I saw those numbers like yeah I looked and it hurt they were bad and the fact that he even just mentioned to Buster only that his numbers were bad was the greatest thing ever he saw the scoreboard and said it was awful oh man hilarious um, I guess we might kind of call this thing out. I talked about 30 minutes longer than what I thought. You are listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. And we'll, uh, gosh, I guess we'll go ahead and call this thing out. Thanks for listening. Our next podcast, we're going to record one tomorrow with my buddy Cody. He's a big uh, Red Sox fan. 
So we'll have that conversation tomorrow. We'll be talking a bunch of baseball, probably complaining a lot about our teams. I guess that's pretty much it. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time on, well, catch us all week on Twitter, but we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Greatest Show on Dirt.